Welcome to uh, In Three Talks, episode five. That's right. All oh, right. So, Aaron, um, let's start right to, right off the bat about the Inclusive Innovation Labs. Mm, you just wrapped up about a week and a half ago. Yes. So, talk to me a little bit about um, what has been your experience. I want to thank, first of all, I'll start with being, I'm going to be a gracious host. <laughs> so, first of all, thank you for all the people who applied. Thank you for the 18 companies that made it all the way through, giving up your time, energy, effort, and being committed all the way to the end. Uh, thank you to all the judges that participated, and thank you for the folks that came out. Um, so, there. Uh, as for the uh, labs, I think that it was a success. I think that um, we knew going in that there were some things we were going to learn through this first process, and I think that we learned a bunch of things in the first process. It's our goal to have another cohort completed before the end of September. Um, and so we'll take lessons learned from this first exercise, uh, apply them to the next one, and we're going to schedule some time with all the individuals from the first cohort. Mm -hmm. We already have some written feedback from them, but we're going to just kind of all get together and have a conversation, get some more feedback from them and apply those lessons uh, to what we did and come out with an even better result next time. So, but just a little bit more of a personal experience as an entrepreneur, as a tech com company the owner, what has been your experience seeing these 13 entrepreneurs going through these grilling three weeks of developing their business and so on and so forth? One of the most personal things about it, like I mentioned people's days, was that someone came up to me afterwards and was like, you know, this is really great that you did it. Um, you know, why did you wait so long to do this? This is just an awesome thing to do. You know, it seemed like, you know, what they said was it seemed like you had all the pieces and all the relations, like why did you wait? Was what they said. And, and what know, was your answer and then? My, my, reflect, my answer was actually I'm trying to be more empathetic and kind of speak more from my heart, was that I fell victim to this exact same thing that I'm trying to teach the entrepreneurs in the, in the lab, which is to believe in yourself and be more confident. I just simply didn't believe that I could do it. I was worried about making it perfect, making it right. Are the entrepreneurs going to come in? Are they going to get value out of you know what I have to say and what the people that I bring in the room? You know, can I bring the right people? I just didn't believe enough in myself, and I'm disappointed in myself that it took this long for me to get the confidence to do it. Because imagine if I would have done it when we launched. Mm. Like we'd be in our third or fourth one. We'd be much better at it. I think we'd have a bigger ecosystem of people around it supporting it. So that's why I'm like, we're good to sit down, go do lessons learned, and start working on the next one. We already have people who kind of sent us emails and say, hey, I didn't know about this, can I do it? We actually had someone who pinged me from Atlanta, hey, can we do this remote? So we're gonna get it right here first, and then we'll, we'll figure out other things next. But that, that's kind of my biggest personal lesson was that, you know, I don't wanna say there's being a hypocrite, mm -hmm. but um, I need to sometimes eat my own dog food, as they say. <laughs> well, thank you for that honesty. I think uh, the lessons learned uh, also for the entrepreneurs going to their surveys, um, their post-lab uh, mm. surveys, is how much they have learned that they don't need to be technologists or have mm. a tech background. Um, or some of them have said, you know, I, I don't necessarily have to have everything right in order to develop yeah. my business. So. Can you draw a parallel? I know you just mm. kind of just flirted mm. with that in terms of drawing that mm. parallel. Can you but I think it, it, a lot of it is this, this um, I think I spoke about it before we spoke about technology. There's this kind of magic wall that technologists have put around their world 
and they're saying you're not worthy, you're not worthy. I think sometimes we listen to kind of all the hype that we hear on the internet and Twitter and everything about entrepreneurship and people feel like I'm not worthy, I'm not ready, I don't have all the skills and so they just don't make obviously the leap or the commitment to even give it a try because there, there's just this perception in their mind that they mm -hmm. don't have what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And I think one of the things about uh, Interview Labs that we wanted to do was to give it, not really to convince people but to put people in an environment where they were able to believe that they could be successful and put them, and I think that was one of the good things that we, we had a sizable cohort. Um, so you were able to kind of feed off the energy from the other people around them. I think it was interesting the last, you know, when we were doing a pitch event, you know, everybody was cheering for everybody, everybody was kind of high-fiving and giving the whole team support. And I think that's all part of this whole idea of the ecosystem catalyst and kind of building that support network. I mean, I still see, because I follow as many of the folks as I can on Instagram and Twitter, and they're still like tweeting back and forth, and, and so they're still engaged. So like, you know, we've already started to build that ecosystem of those relationships and those people there um, who might not have never, might not have ever connected had we not brought them together. So I mean, I think there's something powerful even just in that. Beautiful. I will come back to the team, mm. you know, that this whole community and ecosystem, but let's um, talk about the pitch hmm. so you had about 13 people pitch and then uh, one of the the program design was about getting the audience to tell uh, to um, vote for that hmm. top three or well no the judges select the top three based on certain um, results and then the, the audience would vote so one is tell us a little bit which pitch stood out for you and why and then what was the um, the potential for you to, in terms of if you had to give a, an entrepreneur some kind of feedback about the pitch, what would it be? I think, so I'm going to own, well, they're adults, so I'm not going to roll. I think that um, we emphasize very early on the importance of knowing your numbers and, and your financial uh, and your financials. And we even kind of hinted to them that some of the judges were going to go. They would listen to the pitch, they'd smile and say all that stuff, but then they immediately start asking you to ask questions yeah. about the numbers. Um, I think we, I think, I think collectively we could have done better, the entrepreneurs of kind of putting more effort into making sure they understand the number side of the business. And that's a lesson learned for us is to kind of spend a little bit more time around that part of the business mm -hmm. to kind of help the entrepreneurs. So you, you're saying that all pitches or most pitch, pitch entrepreneurs when they pitch, they should also highlight the numbers. They, or have a better understanding of the numbers. Right? Mm -hmm. Because every single one of the judges went straight, to, they, they did the normal, hey, that was a really great pitch, that was pretty interesting, that's an innovative idea, um, you know, what's your market strategy, you know, what's your target, I mean, they just immediately went straight to the numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, as I said, that we, 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 we as an ecosystem of entrepreneurs need to be more cognizant of our numbers, and I think that we, in preparing entrepreneurs to pitch, we need to kind of put a little more emphasis on um, making sure that they're, they're just ready for that. Mm -hmm. Because it's and not only being ready just to pitch, but it's like ready to even understand if your business makes sense. Right. Forget about if you're pitching. You should know your numbers anyway, mm -hmm. so that you could know, like, is this business make sense? You know, is there a market for me? You know, how am I going to get that market? What is it going to cost me to get? Like, mm -hmm. I feel that you know, we're going to have some follow up sessions with the entrepreneurs and kind of spend some more time there. I think a lot of them were aware of that and they reached out 
and you know we got an email today about them asking, hey, where are the where are the templates? Because they're they're still engaged, and that that's that's encouraging also that they, they just they already did it. I did my pitch next, like they're still engaged and still excited. In fact, Charlene, the woman who's won, has been like not only tweeting and posting, but she's been emailing and she emailed me today and said, all right, I'll be back for my spring break. Let's get started the calendar so we can get going. Yes. Well, that's great. In fact, one of the the. The, because we, we did share the t financial templates, and she's one of the very few who actually went through the, 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 the financial templates. Ex exactly. So it's an interesting uh, note to make for uh, entrepreneurs. So one of the other things that we'll circle back is the teamwork. Mm. You know, one as an entrepreneur yourself, uh, and as we were talking earlier during our meeting, uh, someone kind of highlighted that you are a team builder. Mm. So one, talk to us a little bit more about team building. And you also, uh, initially a while back, you had mentioned to me about certain things when we were talking about teams. And I know mm. what you, I, I think you already know what. I don't know. Yeah. That, so that's... about your experience, without saying the company name mm. that you worked for, your experience of identifying this person that had poor performance, but what oh, you did in yes. order to get that. So yeah. the team building on that side, the team building in terms of you you also as a business owner, and three, the comments of, of the participants for the Inclusive uh, Innovation Lab has been about the teamwork that they've been able to do. Mm. Talk about team right. building. So, like, I learned team building kind of as a hard lesson. Well, I, don't, I don't even know if you do this. Like, when, when I was still in college, I got a job working for a small company in, uh, in Ohio, and they made me a manager. Like I was still in college, I might have been like 21, 22, and I had a team of folks that uh, most of them are older than me. Now they made me the manager for the wrong reason. They made me the manager because I was the best developer, mm. right? Um, and so at that point I was young, I thought, well, I'm the best developer, I'm the manager, I'm the boss, everybody listen to me. Uh, but very, in retrospect, uh, just because I was the best developer didn't mean that I a, should have been the manager. And B, didn't necessarily mean that I was going to get the best out of the team as a whole. Mm -hmm. I learned that lesson more so, and I think this spins into what we're talking about entrepreneurs, as I started to grow uh, Clearly Innovative. I, I started Clearly Innovative with myself. And, you know, what one is other, Clearly Innovative? Oh, Just a clear, side note. Clearly Innovative is my web mobile development firm. Um, to scale, you need to know how to build a team. It's just really that simple. You know, I could be the best developer in the world, but I cannot do everything. Right? So the question is, how do you take the resources or I don't want to call people resources, but the individuals on your team and figure out how to get the best value that you can out of them. Mm -hmm. um, I was talking to someone else about it. Those who play, most people understand the basics of football, right? The, the quarterback has a role that the quarterback plays, mm -hmm. right? But the quarterback's only as good as the people that are blocking for him, the receivers that he's throwing to, and the running backs that he can hand off to them. And they all bring different skills, but they're all part of the team. They help the team to be successful. And so to be a manager or to be an entrepreneur that you need to build a team, you don't necessarily need someone who has the exact same skills as you, who thinks the exact same way as you, but you need to understand where are the deficiencies that you have on your team mm -hmm. and bring the right people in to fill those gaps. And then understand, which is kind of the harder part, is like what really makes them tick, mm -hmm. right? And how do they define success in their job, right? So that you can help the overall team be successful. You know, I was, it's funny, I was talking to my son last night and he always asked me, how was your day, Dad? How was your day? And I said to him, I spent most of my day well, um, talking to people right. and figuring out 
how to make sure that they were happy with their job, how to make sure they were comfortable, how to make sure that they understood kind of the conversation we have towards the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the communication yeah. um, as part of it. It's We worked, in a previous life, I worked on a project uh, for MarksandSpencer.com, and the project was tanking, and when I got brought in to kind of support the project, I realized it wasn't a, a lack of technical skills on the team. The communications were just horrible. Mm -hmm. The project was tanking because of poor communications, right? And so, like I said, when they picked me to be a manager, they didn't pick me to be a manager because I'm a good communicator. They picked me to be a manager because I'm the best technical person. Mm -hmm. right? I think a lot of the soft skills that help teams be successful are just too often discounted to saying, let me find the smartest person in the room who talks the loudest, and we're going to make them the manager. And, I, and sometimes, well, not sometimes, more often than not, that's probably not the best approach. So you, you still didn't give us the example that I love the, that one? you said. Um, oh, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Please so do we, talk we, about we, that. We, we had a guy on, a, on, our, on our team, and um, he just wasn't performing at the level that I expected him to perform. At that point, I, I kind of extracted myself from day-to-day -day management of the team. Um, and I had a technical leader, and their assessment was, hey, this guy's not getting it done. And um, I kind of, I don't know what it's, I was trying to be supportive of the resources on my team and I felt, you know, I hired this guy for a specific reason, you know, I can't believe that he's this bad. I didn't want to, I guess that's my ego, I didn't want to acknowledge that maybe I just picked the wrong guy. So I started spending a little bit more time with him and trying to understand what, what, what his needs were. And in the, interesting enough, in the end it was just simply communication. You know, after spending some more time with him and just giving him a little bit more mentoring and coaching and support that he needed, he was extremely successful, his output took off, and, and he, he was a great resource. So part of the thing that, that I start to look at now is, and a lesson learned from that is, maybe you should start looking at the manager first and understanding what is the manager doing to ensure the success of the team instead of just looking straight at the team and saying you aren't performing at the level you should be mm -hmm. performing at. Um, and so the question is, are they being managed properly, right? Uh, but I think there needs to be accountability on both sides. Beautiful. So we're just going to pivot a little bit in terms of IN3. Uh, so the IN3... Uh, so this is innovation incubator. That's right. <laughs> so it's, uh, last a couple of weeks ago when we did the IN3 talk, mm -hmm. we talked about the ecosystem catalyst. Mm -hmm. And now you're much more settled with the fact that it's somewhat rebranded as an ecosystem catalyst. Mm -hmm. Earlier meeting we had, you're talking about that. And can you just... Talk a little bit more again about why N3 is the perfect ecosystem catalyst. If we, if we, the, the interesting part about the, the conversation that we had in the earlier meeting was um, in, the, in the story that I told or the anecdote that I told, it was about pulling together, uh, for like, I'll just say data points or information that exists already in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And be, be, being able to identify how, if you're able to kind of pull a little bit from here, pull a little bit from here, you can actually create something. Mm -hmm. um, because what happens is there's, 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 I'll say, actors in the ecosystem who might not necessarily, A, know of each other, um, or even understand how work, even if they know the other person, they might not be able to see the value of working together and what could come of it. And so from the position as an ecosystem catalyst, part of what we want to do is be able to identify the actors in the ecosystem 
and then also leverage our experience, our knowledge, our know-how, and just maybe our individual relationships with the different actors in the ecosystem and see how, if they come together, positive things can happen for the overall ecosystem. And so that kind of circles back around to kind of this whole thing that I spout about from this Fast Company article about you know, um, density collision, right? Mm -hmm. Which is pulling these people together. It's, I think it comes from physics or something like that. How if you get all the molecules together and they start banging off each other, interesting things happen. That's what we're trying to do in the ecosystem, right? And so that's why I say you create this dense community of diverse entrepreneurs. You, there's so much density, there's so much activity that something positive is going to come out of it. Similar to what happened in Three Labs, right? So we brought those 18 entrepreneurs together. And even though the labs have ended, there's still this collision going on of them interacting and doing things. And it's just going to be great to see when we look back in a couple of months, like what, what has happened and what has come out of it. And as we continue to have additional cohorts, and try to bring the new cohorts in to kind of keep the energy and the flow happening in the ecosystem, it's just gonna be great. So the um, two, two pillars for your ecosystem, one of which is providing the training and so on for the tech, mm -hmm. because your uh, workforce development is dear to you. Mm -hmm. And the second part is creating entrepreneurs. In three, being an ecosystem catalyst, you kind of are bringing, plugging all of these components together. How does it align with your vision? How does it align with my vision? So if we, we have the social capital, technical capital, financial capital, bring it all, I think um, Field of Dreams movie reference, right? <laughs> yeah. This whole idea of, hey, if I build this field, they will come. Like, so the idea is that to bring the capital into the ecosystem, mm -hmm. I think we need, I, I don't want to devalue the entrepreneurs and say product, mm -hmm. but we need, to, we need to have product if somebody wants to buy. Mm -hmm. Right, and we need to have a lot of it. Like, why do people go to a shopping mall? Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. I could go to one place. There's a lot of different interesting things, and hopefully, I'll find something I want. Mm -hmm. Right, so we create this dense community of diverse entrepreneurs. We create this ecosystem. We have a lot of different things going on. So then, when we call and try to get judges to come to our pitch competitions, mm -hmm. where we have showcases of our entrepreneurs there's a higher likelihood that we can get people to come because they think, hey, I might find something there that I like, something mm -hmm. that I want to buy. So as that we conclude, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think, you know, you've always, uh, the fact that uh, you want to create this platform, what you call ecosystem mm -hmm. catalyst, is bringing different components of what makes an, a, a successful community mm -hmm. of builders, right? Yes. Of businesses and even personal building because if you do tech, because let's talk about it briefly uh, as we, we go ahead. The thing is, the, and the one part of that I don't want to make it sound like I'm the savior of the world, mm -hmm. but I think it's, it's interesting because when we were, we were up in Baltimore for the, um, the Kapoor Center thing, what, you know, one of the things when I was talking to folks in a room that they, you know, that they said was critical was actually a physical presence, right? Mm -hmm. And so even the ability for us to host events here I think is critical to, to kind of being the catalyst, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if I was like standing on the street kind of t grabbing people, hey, y'all should talk because I think there's there's some intersection there. It just doesn't work, mm -hmm. you know? And that, and that goes back to one of the problems and kind of where I kind of got this whole concept of ecosystem catalyst was that the, the, the lack of understanding from a lot of folks that there needs to be support for the infrastructure right mm -hmm. for these things to happen right they're like hey let's just invest in the entrepreneurs well entrepreneurs don't just grow on trees right, right? 
they need not only kind of infrastructure through learning, education, mentorship, and support, but they really need a physical space mm -hmm. to kind of come together and meet, to kind of support the mentorship, the support, the training, and all the other things that they need. But it's like very often folks don't want to fund that, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, go find some, that's a nonprofit, that's some do good work, you know, go find some money for that. And it, it's just simply not scalable and nor sustainable. So just give us a, in less than 30 seconds, uh, and then I'll go to the last question, uh, which is what all entrepreneurs are gaining, the ones that participants mm -hmm. have access to? They, so they have, still have access to mentorship and support. They have um, three months access to the space here. They still have uh, three months access left to, um, to Treehouse for the, um, for the online training and support. And Treehouse is? Treehouse is a company based in Portland, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, and they provide um, t online, not only technical training, but actually the course that we push a lot of folks to was on, they have a whole kind of business and entrepreneurship course. A lot of folks also took advantage of the UI UX content that was on there. It's, it's a very good platform that was um, donated and sponsored by uh, Treehouse. And the winner got? The winner is getting um, 15000 in services to support building out their MVP, their minimal viable product. Beautiful. And continue mentorship and support like everybody else. So one last question, which is something that uh, we're working to launch, mm -hmm. which is, well, actually, this is something that is dear to you as well, which is the future written in code. code. And so tell us a little bit about it, what it consists of, when it will be launched, or to a certain degree, what it will be about. So futures written in code is um, really about, we're going to start with technology training, but we believe there's other stuff we can kind of, kind of roll up underneath the brand. But the, the concept is that, um, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, <laughs> that um, there's a place for dev boot camps, but there's also, I believe, there's a gap in the ecosystem for alternative types of training that are more approachable from a cost perspective. Um, and, and kind of uh, from, from a real training perspective, a lot of um, the dev boot camps that exist right now, they require a full-time immersive program, they average between ten dollars to $15,000. Um, they require you to quit your job. Yes, I know they have some part-time programs, but the bulk of the ones that people talk about are full-time programs, three months long, require a ten dollars to $15,000 commitment. And if you look at the numbers from Code School or Report, it, there's not, what I would say, a very high representation of diverse candidates um, that actually get in, make it all the way through, and get out. Um, we believe that there's opportunities, in my, in my opinion, um, dev boot camps are really this generation's vocational schools. It's, it's no different, it's just marketing and rebranding, you call it a dev boot camp. It's a vocational school. Um, the same way how 10, 20, 30 years ago you go to vocational school, you learn how to be a plumber, electrician, or mm. whatever. A lot of technologists don't want to be kind of perceived as, oh, we're just this generation's plumbers, electricians, whatever, but the reality is they are. Mm. Right? At, at the, if you look at the base level of like coming into a technology-based job, right? Um, you can get paid well to do HTML, CSS, website development, WordPress, right? Let's, no offense to those resources, but let's just look at like an arc of opportunity that exists in a tech ecosystem, mm -hmm. right? So do I really need to quit my full-time job and pay someone $15,000 to train me to just get into this, into this opportunities, right? And so that's the space where we want to start off playing. Right? Mm -hmm. Can we identify, since since too clearly innovative, we're mostly a JavaScript-based company, can we identify technology training around JavaScript-based technologies 
that can provide resources with enough of an understanding, enough of a portfolio to get an entry-level job in these tech companies that are looking for resources that have understanding of these newer technologies. So what would, so I know um, it's, it's called, it's funded, right? So you're yes. gonna select uh, how many, uh, how many I think we're gonna select 10 folks for the funded program. So we have, we have two, we're funded for two different programs. One's kind of a, our overall STEM and entrepreneurship program, mm-hmm. um, which is more about looking at problems trying to figure out how to build a team around solving a problem, and then there's a little bit of technology in the back end. That's more about, that's more about understanding the multiple roles and responsibilities that go, on, go into making a product and, and exposing them to some JavaScript on the back end as a solution to solve, as a technical solution to the problem. And then the other one, we're gonna identify one of, the, uh, one of the top JavaScript frameworks that we will do the basic intro to JavaScript and then we'll teach either React, Vue.js, or or um, Angular. Beautiful. Great. So um, until next time. Until next time. Thank you very much, everyone. Hopefully by the next time, we'll be able to provide much more information on the startup futures written in code and um, whatever new. Oh, and some more gaming stuff. Yes. We're yes. Gonna, the gaming, gaming stuff's about to take off. Uh, we're working right now on trying to do a Mortal Kombat um, kind of panel talk gaming session. I think we're trying to get this done before the end of May. But stay tuned for more stuff around gaming. Yes, and follow you on... Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. The uh, videos for these sessions are all available on Facebook and YouTube. YouTube under IN3, Facebook under IN3DC. Um, and then we're on the podcast is on iTunes, Google, Spotify, basically. It's on seven, most of the popular podcast. Wonderful. Thank you very much.